quite live up to how funny the title and premise is. Ian Leslie sitting down and listening to Siamese Dream by the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> it's a genuinely hilarious mental image. <laughs> But the actual fucking blog on it. The reality of it. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I'm saying let's save our ammo for when we actually yeah. get started in a minute because I've only just. Oh, my bad. All right. <laughs> I'll just repeat yeah. my fucking jokes. Oh, yeah. We'll, yeah, 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 yeah. recycle. Don't worry, mate. What was the joke yeah, you yeah. made a minute ago that was funny? I have no idea. I'll say it again when it occurs to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got Straight Out of Compton by Tim Farron. Enter the Wu Tang by David Aronovich. That's um, the worst one. We need to live at the James Brown live at the Apollo by Raphael. Can we discuss Bear. Hitchens just because it's quite interesting? I have absolutely no idea how Disso didn't laugh uproariously at that and said said something else. So, to repeat, James Brown live at the Apollo reviewed by Raphael fucking Bear. The Hitchens. Like I don't know if it, is it funny or is it interesting? Is it worthwhile? I don't know. If it's one of those, then we should discuss it. I don't know. I found it quite interesting. Yeah, it, it seemed from the perspective like they were trying to bait him into being like, oh, it's like, like there was a kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's notoriously uncool Peter Hitchens. And he actually <laughs> kind of showed them up. Yeah. I, I, I think we've got to include What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Oh, who was Chris that? Was that, the one that? that was the one that sparked the whole idea, yeah, yeah, really, yeah, wasn't it? Was, we should give props yeah. to Rob, too. To Rob, yeah, exactly. We got and the various Hadley. Twitter commentators. Yeah, I'm not I I'm not really that interested in um, Hadley Freeman reviews Slanted and Enchanted, because I think Hadley Freeman is exactly oh, the right like, demographic to enjoy pavement, like just a sort of a Gen X fucking hipster. Again... It's the sort of thing that sounds like a sort of funny bit. Smug Guardian people get into Americana indie from 20 years ago, but and the in, same... again, in practice, not that funny. You know? yeah. And the same with the Britney Spears one. I thought that was going to be good, and it was just rubbish, really. Oh, she barely said anything. Yeah. At the end, she's like 7 out of 10 or whatever. I'm like, hang on, you've not got to the interview yet. You're just talking about what you remember from Britney Spears in the news at the time. <laughs> yes. like, yeah, yeah. That was why you didn't like it or something. And I, I think she said something about like the producer should have had his effects taken away or something. Don't encourage them. <laughs> God, they did so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. did so many of just like the neekiest cunts in British politics reviewing hip hop albums. Yeah. Like they got Stuart Wood, that Labour Lord and Ed Miliband advisor who was allergic to cheese and so people in Ed Miliband's office would like put his phone in a bag of Watsits. That, <laughs> that they've got They've got that guy reviewing It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back by Public Enemy. And they got fucking Paul War reviewing (laughs) Scott Walker. They made Quantic look at a Prague album, and I just can't even fucking bother reading it, because I know what it's going to say. Oh, I'm from the 1970s, and I'm punk as heck. We all thought Prague was for boring wizard men. Shut up, you cunt. (laughs) I've heard you going on about this for 40 years. Yeah, he's a cunt. (laughs) David David Quantic, more like. Again, I'm glad I'm recording now, because that was fire. I don't even Um, like Genesis, man. Fuck that. Let me record properly now. Okay, I've actually got good recording on my side, guys. Now. Opposing the, the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. But we know who the hard left are, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money 
nationalisation without compensation, you that's hard left wing position, hard left, the 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 hard left, we don't need to escalate You see, war is not the answer For only love can comprehend You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and get here today Picket lights and picket signs Punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see But with any of uh, any more of these fucking ones that we wanted to do, just uh, just just some of the ones I've got open. I've got Sarah Ditton reviews Dark Side of the Moon. I've got no, Blue by Joni Mitchell reviewed by you and McCall. I've what got idiot. James Brown Live at the Apollo reviewed by Raphael Bear. <laughs> I have the Hitchens Kinks one. I have What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, reviewed by Chris Addison, which I kind of feel like we should touch on. Because we should probably do that, because like, that, that was actually the, that yeah. was the genesis of this whole conversation, because one yeah. of our friends on Twitter, Rob, at a boy named Posh, he a did a tweet. Posh, one of my favourite people to talk about rock and roll with. On he did a thread, in fact. Someone annoyed him. It was really funny, actually, Rob, watching you get more and more mad at this fucking piece by Chris Addison. On uh, he was just getting really increasingly cross and kind of like frustrated, <laughs> thrashing a car with a branch way. It just what a oh, big man, my, philistine my fav- Chris Addison my, is. My it's a particularly annoying tweet. one to read because he's in full right sideways look at everything mode the oh, whole yeah. fucking yeah, time. Yeah. Oh my god! My, my favorite tweet that Rob did in his thread was when he said he'd legit rather hang out with the pedo from the thick. <laughs> <laughs> man if he hadn't been a fucking sexual deviant ricky gervais's career wouldn't exist either in my opinion because people not, not like, us would, be, does, people yeah. like <laughs> us would be famous and everyone would associate that style of humor with langham instead but he had to yeah. go and blow it by downloading child pornography <laughs> chris langham was brilliant at his job it's just a shame about everything it's just else. everything else yeah. 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 yeah great actor he was in the he, he, he was in the came, thick of it wasn't he, 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 he they asked him Film. unceremoniously in 2011 he starred in a film called black pond and there was this whole discussion i remember that about, yeah yeah is there a way back for people like chris langham and, and he's never been in anything since it was so quite I, a sort of not. it was like a student <laughs> film as far as i remember though it was just like yeah a sort of a low budget effort so clearly the answer was mm. no from the beginning really but yeah well it's just like kevin spacey's been cast in franco nero's new film and i was just like franco Ugh, nero's really? a director just low budget italian film but has already finished shooting about a week after they fucking announced it. His career um, so far since the revelations seems to be just like popping up once a year to make a weird creepy video where he is in character as that political guy from fucking House of Cards or whatever. Yeah, Can't yeah. pay very much. He's just desperate for a way back in, isn't well, he? Like anything. Well, creep. He just doesn't want his filmography to end in 2018, and then he just keeps living for years after that. Like, that, that'd be the worst. <laughs> I'm always just like... I just look up this person, it's like, died age 90, and their work stops at, like, age 60. And they're just like, 
fucking slacker. (laughs) 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 Anyway, let's look at Chris Addison reviews Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. I thought it said that Ruth wrote a bit in this one, but nope, just Martin. The elusive Ruth. Ruth's Martin Steakhouse. (laughs) Okay, God, yeah, Chris Addison went on for quite a bit as well. Fucking hell. Okay, you've now listened to it at least three times. What do you think? Geraint, you seem to have a lot of contempt for this one. Do you want to... Oh uh, god. I'm not sure I do really. I was just sort of blinded by rage. This has a particularly annoying preamble where like they describe one of the readers of this blog thing writing on Twitter. This is John PD who describes himself as a jazz lover said, "I can't see how it would be humanely possible not to love this record. What's going on by Marvin Gaye?" And the fucking Martin, Ruth's Martin Steakhouse editorializes, "I can't see how it would be humanly possible to love jazz." Sounds wow. like a you problem, mate. <laughs> wow. I do, that was, I that like... was one of the things that wound Rob up, and me as well, to be honest, because I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Everyone has oh, their prejudices, God. that's fine, but you have to upfront them in the kind of way that Chris Gow does it, where he just says, look, I don't like metal, I don't like modern folk, I don't like jazz fusion. You can't pretend that it's some fucking joke thing, though. Mm. I don't mind. Yeah. That's just, that, 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 I don't know, well, that you... contempt annoyed me as a kind of muso, but again, it's that you kind of like... You wouldn't say it about rock, would he? I if mean, Lou Reed it, said it, that, it, it I'd likes... give him a pass, because he's a cantankerous old cunt, and that was his thing, but again, and it, beho- it, it uh, bespeaks like... that 80s, 90s music journalist mentality again. It's like, we can't have anything that's complex complex shit. and or made by black guys. And You've got to sort of it... frame everything like you're being iconoclastic, like, even when you're not remotely doing that. Yeah, yeah. That's, right, that's right. how yeah. the whole also, thing operated. It kind of posits that jazz is like this like homogenous music. And I was saying a minute ago, he wouldn't say it about rock. It's, it's because just a disco he'd be aware that because one band is a rock band and another is also somewhat of a rock band, that doesn't mean like Oasis sound exactly like Black Sabbath or whatever. <sighs> it's a, there's obviously a spectrum even within the catalogue of one jazz artist. A Miles Davis album from the mid '50s sounds nothing like a Miles Davis album from the early '70s. Like the second is a lot closer right. to like avant-garde rock. And the first one is not even... A, yeah, like Kind of Blue and On the Corner. Jazz. That's some different shit. That's yeah, yeah, classic yeah. cool jazz versus space funk. <laughs> so he's like, I can't understand how anyone could like those. Where it's like, well, give them two subgenres of this one genre sound completely fucking different. Like <sighs> maybe someone really loves one of them. Maybe that's more their thing. Not to pick up my own fucking philosophies and fucking bullshits thoughts but i did a tweet recently where i said that british society is based on uh, this is a stereo lab lyric actually what's society based on it's based on bluff but no british society in particular and like that journalistic milieu it's about learning three facts and then berating people who only know two this is where this attitude on jazz comes from it's like oh we don't need to get involved in listening to that and assessing it for ourselves because we've got this dinner party shorthand opinion that's been handed down to us that it's very boring and it's made for hippies. And that's the two things we need to know about jazz. Like, we can just but... confidently state that without any kind of investigation. It's this kind of <laughs> bullshit that I would get sick of in the music press again. When... I just searched, just to look, look for an example of this attitude to music, I just searched Noel Gallagher, jazz. And oh the quote that I could find was, jazz rubbish this is why i'm so resentful of this fucking guy man but the thing is when the exact same people who were writing the 90s was just people like this throwing you into a canal 
That's all when, that happened when, in the when, 90s. When people exactly bellowing these about same jazz. fucking people are saying, oh, I can't understand how anyone could like jazz. They'd then turn around without missing a beat and attack Noel Gallagher's musical conservatism. Some to say tosser and a button-down shirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> Some, it's, all, it's like my shared assumption is more arcanely post-punk than yours is. Oh, Noel Gallagher. Yeah, you're, you're just a philistine. <laughs> I got all my you're opinions. just common. <laughs> I got all my opinions from 1977 and I'm going to sneer at the people who got all our opinions from 1969 <laughs> the 90s was just fucking guys like that and button down shirts going jazz is wank mate fucking spilling pints over you the whole decade <laughs> john harris my love of the thing. 90s is like this i read this other great thing it was wes anderson who i don't like at all but like it was someone arguing for his films saying that the nostalgia that he's often accused of is not just the uncritical adoration of a time before but it's more like the remembrance of a time that never was that existed only in possibility and i like that kind of idea of nostalgia so that's the 90s that i aim for as opposed to the reality which was mainly men in button-down shirts and kickers pouring pints over you while talking about how jazz was shit well, let's get back to Chris Addison reviewing Speaking What's of Going which... <laughs> by Marvin Gaye. Yeah, I think that was a good link, actually. <laughs> hey, baby, what you know good? I'm just getting back, but you knew I would. War is hell. When will it end? When will people start getting together again? Are things really getting better? Like the newspaper said. What else is new, my friend? Besides what I read. He would be uh, one of those guys. Grant, do you want it? Yeah, I mean, again, the preamble is just fucking... Boring, really. Yeah. Um, fed up with them. Fed up with them. So, uh, so Chris, why pe- haven't pe- you listened to it? What's wrong with you? Oh, um, God, right from the off, he's into his fucking comedy here. I know he's God. a comedian, but Jesus. Ostensibly, he doesn't write yeah. his own stuff. Clearly, Jesus. So on this yeah. evidence. So he didn't listen to much Motown, right? Cool. Okay. Most of what he listened to when he was a kid was classical. That came from his dad, the son of an Austrian woman who brought the Viennese love of chamber music with the suitcase of possession she packed when she fled the Nazis. Following on from that sad story directly with my childhood was all snitchel and sauerkraut and septets. Haha, Austria, do you see? Totally all over the place. This is he wild. meant he about his own family the, history. Fled for Nazis just as the regime was yeah. collapsing, and they would no longer have <laughs> their comfy position in the regime. <laughs> we must pack up our schnitzels and sauerkrauts and move to the United Kingdom. I hear there are many jobs for well-qualified Germanic people out there. <laughs> the long-term prospects for racism are better in Britain, and uh, <laughs> proved correct. There was the occasional burst of pop through the records his mum had bought, which she seemed to have stopped doing once her children came along. Right, okay, this is boring. Just, uh, just blah, blah, blah. It's just uh, shit. It's just shit. Um, yeah, his fucking upbringing. He listened to ND in the early 90s, uh, or about 1989-90, and he was obviously very embarrassed by it, is what I get here. Uh, <laughs> and he had he an early flirtation. With the works of Queen. 
The interesting thing here is like in his three favorite ever albums, have we mentioned this? One of them's by this completely obscure band that formed in like 2007 or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And which mm-hmm. I can only assume is like someone he's met in the course of his work or like his, <laughs> yeah, his, yeah. His, That's probably his one of his mates, mates as a bass player or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah the right. Leisure Society. And Who? you look up pictures of this band no and they offense, just look guys. like artisanal guys cheese makers. Some dudes with beards, man. <laughs> He spent a week in Tom Watson's office to research his role in the thick of it and do a support band at a Drench gig. <laughs> <laughs> this hmm. band looks so much like kind of like Dark World Arcade Fire. Like it's this <laughs> real like twee sort of like there's fucking 500 of them and they all look like absolute nerds and they're all playing. Well, some of them are playing folk instruments and some of them are playing more conventional instruments, but they just look like the absolute, like just, just like a whole band of Winston Marshall. <laughs> GB News ass band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, who the fuck are these guys? Fucking um, polyphonic spree underground because they're now a prescribed group. <laughs> <laughs> the class of terrorists and not allowed into the country. The continuity polyphonic spree. <laughs> <laughs> the polyphonic spree. ML. <laughs> Can we skip to the fucking review? Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. This let's is get some to terrible his actual shit. opinions. This is some terrible nonsense. <laughs> yeah. All of our audience would probably actually find this shit funny. Ah, oh, now on this recording session here anyway. So, you've now listened to it at least three times, Chris Addison. What do you think? God, this is just too long, isn't it? He's going on and on and on and saying nothing. He Go spends on. the first two paragraphs hedging about how he doesn't want to say the wrong thing because people might look at him funny, which is quite revealing in itself. <laughs> Again, but it's like, just got that thing of like, a, by the way, I am white. Five just in or case six you didn't realize. later, he starts this whole shit about, oh my God, no. I've been on a bit of an up and down journey with this one. See, that opening track is so strong, such a great piece of music that I think I was waiting for an album album of something similar he by the way immediately complains but the next track is too similar you've got to skip down to the pie just above the picture man i gotta read this shit man it's fucking too much (sighs) this is lib comedian fucking irony poisoning Marvin starts out asking, what's going... This is... Do you know what this fucking is, man? This is that fucking book written by James Bollock. Oh, where God. He answers, <laughs> yeah. Where he answers the questions posed in pop music. Do they know it's Christmas? Well, yes, they do, actually, because Africa has a sizable Christian population. <laughs> Fuck and you. And it's on the same Fuck day you. every year. Fuck you. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so how does the... one twist and shout simultaneously? <laughs> Marvin starts out by asking what's going on, and neither having received a satisfactory answer nor being the kind of fellow to let a thing go, he investigates further with a song called What's Happening, Brother. He Actually, just fucking there's... said he wants more songs like What's Going On. <laughs> That's the whole point. It's like, what's going on? Like, where should I sequence what's happening, brother, on the record? Well, if I was trying to pretend that it's not thematically and musically of a piece with the first track, I'd put it in a different part of a record. But I'm not fucking pretending. So obviously you put it after the track that's in a similar vein. It gets better. one, it gets better punch. in this vein. Actually, there's no question mark, so it's difficult to tell whether he's just reframed his original question or is now providing the answer to it. Ah, we My need guess is that it's solutions a... in fucking soul albums. <laughs> this is My like guess is that it's Robert a supplementary Webb. inquiry related to the first one, since it starts with exactly 
the same musical sequence the last song finished with. It's a segue. It flows from one song into the other. It's the same sequence. Do you understand it's... how an album works? Fucking like, Holy shit, man. This is because what seems it? to happen after the belting opener is that Marvin <laughs> noodles around for 15 minutes or so asking vague questions over music that doesn't seem to change pace or go anywhere different to any great degree. Making breaks at arbitrary moments when he's thought of another question. This is the what? problem with music, man. Artists pose too many questions and they don't offer enough sensible, realistic, yep. implementable, cost-based solutions. Exactly. And, that, and that's why Chris Addison only <laughs> listens in his spare time now to Rage Against the Machine, who he would definitely like. <laughs> yeah, like I said, this shit is like the fucking Robert Webb reads some fucking Orwell piece. Just like <laughs> yeah. Classic, like, just pompous, centrist wank. Some tosser explains something that he knows on a high school level. Yeah, 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 exactly. If I'll keep that. going anyway. This shit is... We've, we've got to the, the very worst bit of this. He keeps this. embedding the phrase, I hope that we can still be friends, as a separate paragraph throughout this thing, <laughs> as if he's some kind of shit attempt to be a sort of short story writer or something We as will well, never, which, ever be friends. Which I think is friends. crap, frankly. Not good. No having friends and say Chris Addison. <laughs> 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 oh god uh, he's he goes on to a fucking of course this piece isn't complete without a fucking standard received opinion jazz or jazz instrument take so here we have the addition of a saxophone an instrument which when blown with any vigor rarely doesn't sound like a pig trapped in a barrel cunt. fuck you on about fucking idiot fucking stupid cunt and it's, if anything it's like one of the smoothest instruments the saxophone. It's like tell me you've only ever heard Kenny G or like actually no tell me you've never actually heard any jazz but like you've read some cunt's opinion about it in the NME and decided well this won't get me beat up by the older boys exactly but I mean like a good like avant-garde saxophonist might make sounds but yes do resemble a pig trapped in a barrel and that would be their intention but most saxes that you like hear on the radio would be like fucking Kenny G or Clarence Clemens. Yeah, you can't tell me that. Band, you can't tell me that like sax hook in the that sax hook in that Carly Rae Jepsen song doesn't really bear any resemblance to Albert Ayler. So yeah, just although bizarre, it would be cool if it did. <laughs> bizarre thing to say. He says that the album it's like variations on a theme without an actual you know theme. Like yeah, there's no themes on what's going on other than you know like the environment and poverty and police violence and racism and spirituality yeah no fucking thematic content on that record at all fucking philistine he liked god is love and mercy mercy me because they seem to have more of a shape and that's what he says the saxophone thing about he highlights inner city blues as the best track because it has more of a purpose than anything since the title track marching forward on the hookiest of hooks he doesn't seem to understand the idea of groove. Yeah, 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 which is when you're listening to a Need record. songs uh, to be fully linear. <laughs> yeah, he just seems to be, like, looking for, like, big pop hooks or whatever, and it's, like... The Curse the whole of point, Smiths fans. The whole point of this record is, like, Marvin Gaye spent the 60s pumping out these great Motown singles and even, like, writing them for other artists and stuff. He was a great pop artist. This was when he decided not to just do that. I mean, not that the tracks are mostly very long on this album, but he wasn't just making these, like, concise three-minute precision-engineered Motown singles. 
he was like, okay, I'm going to make some stuff that has a languorous groove that you can get lost in. So yeah, I don't think Chris Addison does understand groove. Yeah, he complains that it's been made ubiquitous like Monty Python to the point that he doesn't like it anymore. I don't understand Uh, that in any way. (laughs) The fucking (laughs) thing about the strings is so offensive in the next paragraph as well. I don't like the strings on this record because they sound like just cheesy strings on disco. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) What? Man, I'm so mad at this. I can't even How formulate do... an opinion on this because I'm so mad. They don't even... <laughs> Look, I'm not anti-disco, but like the strings on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack do not sound like the lush string arrangements on what's going on. The jazz flute that he's hated since the Italian cartoon Mr. Rossi. What does that <laughs> like... even fucking mean? Just words at this point, isn't it? And he says that the sound of Right On has been parodied so often in blaxploitation slash cop spoofs that it's hard to take serious. How many times has this guy watched Black Dynamite? Like, like, there are not that many blaxploitation spoofs in the world. (laughs) Like, fucking hell. I just can't listen to funky tunes anymore because they just make me think of... Again, literally straining to think of parodies of black exploitation other than black dynamite here. Get this next paragraph. I had one. This I next... had one on the tip of my tongue. Oh. <laughs> no, it was Shaft. It was the Shaft reboot with Samuel L. Jackson. That's kind of a parody of black exploitation. But surely oh, the music fucking... in that would be parodying the Shaft soundtrack by Isaac Hayes. <laughs> it's just a weird. I mean, it's just like name a lot of signifiers specifically to black culture that you don't like all in one paragraph yeah yeah, yeah I'm prompted. Like, I... <laughs> I don't like this black music genre because it reminds me of this other black music genre <laughs> i also know that this album is supposed to be an explosive political statement and so i'm cherry of not liking it for reasons of cultural sensitivity and more important the aforementioned cowardice i lost um Coward. this is why I, I wasn't talking a minute ago my attention was drawn by this bizarre paragraph and i kind of lost track of where <laughs> we were so yeah carry on i'll read it the songs are so frustratingly vague he starts with the general thesis that there's something going on and then goes on to specify only that some of the things that are going on are going on with drugs and other things that are going on are going on with children. <sighs> this is very funny to you, the state of black America in the 70s. Well, Definitely the... fodder for a sub have I got news for you fucking blurb to be written about. A lot of the politicised but... music of the late 60s and early 70s was just about how there was this almost fairly vague sense that things were happening and stuff was changing that they couldn't quite put into words. And maybe if, say, they let these themes be explored over a full album such as on uh what's going on by marvin Gaye, they might get to the (laughs) bottom of what some of these issues are you might have a fuller picture but actually saying there's something happening here what it is ain't exactly clear you know that's like the thing is this is coming from personified this is coming from a smiths fan whose lyrics are all like oh the blouse-wearing boys, we saw them on the heath. We ran upon the moors. You're not offering solutions in that either, really. You're just, like, fetishizing no. 1940s black-and-white films and kitchen sink soap operas in a faintly racist way. 
Following that is a quick sidebar in which he's keen to point out that none of it is God's fault before he's right back to it. Like just a bit of that obnoxious atheism in there. Noting that something's also going on with the ecology, he says in sneery quotation marks. He's really no more specific about the problems than this. He's a fucking singer-songwriter. Keep going, man. There's a joke coming. I'd have started to suspect... For if I were to buy the deluxe reissue of this album, I'd find tracks that didn't make the original cut called Seriously Mate, right? And K Life A. Eh? That is real sub Alexis mm. Petridis stuff there. That is very... Honking fucking pathomer. Huh? <laughs> that reminds me of, again, to quote a boy named Posh, our mate Rob Duncan, when he just tweeted, like, Van Morrison actually has better politics than Alexis Petridis. <laughs> <laughs> Alexis Petridis, I fucking remember listening to him on some Guardian podcast, uh, like, ten years ago, and, like, he was saying that his favourite band is the Bee Gees, and his favourite music is the fucking Smooth FM, ra- his favourite radio station is the Smooth fm shit you get in the back of taxis and i was just like you're not yeah. a music you're not a suitable music critic i i kind of think he is because writer, he's also man. a hardcore neil young fan actually you know what alexis petridis was the ghost writer on elton john's autobiography which i have Jesus. to say that is one of the funniest music books i've ever read so i've, I've i think he's he's contributed something good to the world uh, i'm allergic to elton john so that probably has oh, a bearing man. on it Elton, Elton rocks. Actually, I like what he did. He was doing something good recently, and I was like, fair fucks to you, Elton John, but I can't remember what it was. Something humanitarian. So, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, he does a bit of good work. humanitarian yeah. business. Whatever it was, he was good shit. I was, like, impressed, so fair dues. Anyway, yeah, well, back to this Anyway, Elton John aside. Uh, back to this goofus. Back to Marvin Gaye. Uh, <laughs> no, I meant <laughs> he's not the goofus. No, oh, sorry. Oh, God, yeah, here we go. This, fu- Chris the, this gets even more cooked and bombed further down when he tries to reframe fucking Marvin Gaye's lyrics, which are clearly His... what... a oh, set God, of lyrics what's... based on the call and response gospel tradition. What into a kind of Clive and Dudley. Cunt. What is it? Oh. Fucking. What is, oh, what's uh, the fucking comedies reference? Derek like? and Clive. Derek of course, and Clive, yeah, 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 yeah. They're just like, oh, you're a cunt, yeah, you're a cunt, you're a cunt, oh, cunt. Mm. you're a cunt. His obvious <laughs> sincerity is not in any doubt, and I'm certain that at the time it was released, this was something quite extraordinary. But after, you know, Drenge and whatever that fucking band he listens to, like the, the, the Weather <laughs> Forecasters or fuck, the Leisure Society, <laughs> the Leisure Centre. Yeah, I mean, you can't go after Marvin Gaye and be into something so fundamentally unambitious and small time as a band like <laughs> sorry. that. Sorry. The Leisure Centre has simply I don't uh, rendered Marvin Gaye redundant. How is he supposed to compete in the age of Drenge and the cheese manufacturers? Where, where <sighs> were we? Oh yeah, here we go. His cunt fucking goes on for ages. Anyway, he says, his obvious sincerity is not in any doubt. Yeah, uh, I have no doubt when it was released it was quite extraordinary, but I want my explosive political statements to be all fire and revolution and lyrical petrol in a musical bottle. So basically, no, you the don't. opposite no, you don't. of he really does actual centrist. politics. You fucking centrist. No, you don't. It's the opposite of his that. actual politics. Your revolution like is shawaddy waddy. The things you I most hate. Prick. 
Eric. <laughs> in my actual life, in the real world, I want to be harmlessly commodified in popular culture. Anyway, I, I guess says, that's Dorian Linsky syndrome, isn't it? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The best revolutions are, are aesthetic fodder that's no longer remotely political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. I reckon Chris Addison is bald. Like, look at that. Is obviously a wig. Like, come on. The man is the baldest fucking guy. Like, you can clear. He's obviously bald. Anyway, he says, "Marvin, get out of second gear." Shut the fuck up. But yet again, uh, he says, it "Takes I'm some falling... chutzpah, really." Yeah. He says, "I'm falling into the idiot's trap of measuring this thing by my own expectations. So let's take the lyrics on their own terms." Here's a segment of "Save the Children." This is the bit that I just. Oh, uh... what a shame! Such a bad way to live. All who is to blame? We can't stop living. Live, live for life but le- you know i'm not i'm not gonna read these lyrics because it's part of a song they're supposed to be sung in marvin Gaye's beautiful voice that's what i'm like, saying and like that I, I these are the bits i alluded to a moment ago and it seems very clear to me that this is a call and response based lyric or like even if it's yeah even if it's not dub- actually two people doing it it's clearly he double tracks his voice doesn't he well so it's, it's clearly a, it's someone amazing... responding to the previous like you know and he's improvising so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like how basically the whole album is sung. Is there's basically two Marvin Gaye's at all times, and like right, right. sometimes he's singing harmony, sometimes he's doubling himself, interacting, sometimes with himself. he's doing yeah, call yeah. and response. Exactly, but that's like the unique. But it's very much. It seems album. very much steeped in that tradition, just written on the page. Like, yeah, I'd have I to mean, check like, whether he was actually influenced by that. But his, I'm sure his he, style, he's a church his, man. His style of music, I don't think incredibly wordy, loquacious, Dylan-esque lyrics would necessarily suit it if he was just singing like instead of save the babies which is like such an iconic like like line the way he sings it if instead he was just like uh, <laughs> the ghost of electricity hangs it's obviously howls not hangs i don't know how i managed to fuck that up in the bones of her face <laughs> you know, it's like it just like uh, wouldn't make <laughs> it would be so incongruous if he was i singing. had this idea once that i would write an atheist hymn man, and it's the stupidest fucking idea i ever had well that's very james ball you know that's very that's linsky yeah, yeah. that's like addison incredibly <laughs> smug fucking like it's me as a but teenager that's, that's the thing yeah exactly it's very teenage but it gets at the idea that there's somehow some transferable wonder from religion that you can just apply to like how good it is that your hoover works really efficiently and it just doesn't yeah, work yeah. you can't i'm sorry you can't replicate that magic and i think exactly. a lot of the kind of sneering downplaying in this review or reaction is that kind of bristling atheists indignance at the fact that someone since Sincerely believes in a magic sky guy that they don't like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how yeah. dare he's so vague and spiritual. Why isn't he a lib well, dem like me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he says, I can't say I disagree with him about saving the babies and that. In fact, I loudly applaud the whole notion. It just doesn't come as any great revelation, you know. It just hasn't been means tested properly. We should really try to save the babies. To be brutally plain, you could absolutely take those lines and alternate them between two old men nursing Guinness at a bar, drunkenly agreeing with each other over and over. Live life for the children. Says Arthur. Yeah, this is his Derek and Clive bit, and like again, it's like I've been uncooked and bombed. You see, let's save the children. Petey, let's save all the children. Arthur, save the babies. Petey, save the babies. Have you had any scampy fries back there, love? Like, God, such British comedy. God knows I understand <laughs> the impulse to mock and belittle things that I don't understand. But, um... 
you got to pick your battles. <laughs> so it's also just funny, this vision of the common British man who Chris Addison has never met. They're just sitting there talking about their scam. The guy from a sketch. <laughs> I confess I'm being slightly harsh to hammer the point, but as great statements go, it does all feel a bit undercooked. He reiterates, I hope that we can still be friends. But look, I don't like not liking this album since it's so important to so many people I know, plus cowardice, etc, etc. I'm comforted by the fact that a friend of mine who is an enormously knowledgeable classical music buff took until he was in his 50s to get his head around Mozart. Maybe I just haven't found the key that unlocks what's going on yet. So let's focus on the positive. I did really enjoy the second time I heard it, and if you incorporate the fact that I adore the title track in Inner City Blues is fabulous, then I enjoyed it at least 60% of the time I was listening to it, which me also means that I might very well enjoy it again. The best things grow on you, don't they? Apart from Athlete's Foot, that one's the exception. Hey! He's a funny man. He's a funny, he's a funny guy. He's funny like a clown. So, that's what I'm taking from this. An acquaintance that if worked at might one day become a firm friendship. I really do hope that we can still be friends. And he gives it a grade of six. The sentiment at the end there is fine. At the radio station, we say what's new to you is new. It was just a shame that he had to hedge that in so much like, oh, don't take me seriously, fucking clowning and mugging. I guess that's a theme with a lot of these people. And with this kind of Twitter milieu in general, it's all... We don't we don't want to take anything too seriously, lest Helen Lewis accuse us of being too enthusiastic, Jeremy, or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything this else This embarrassing wanna... sense of humour that pervades this whole enterprise of, like, kind of someone's uncle that listens to six music, man. I don't think there's anything further to say about this. No. No. I think, I think they probably got divorced on this evidence. <laughs> yeah, the book sales I... funded the court costs. I just find it really funny that 50 minutes into an hour-long conversation that I listened to earlier, Martin just being like, if you say anything about Jeremy Corbyn on Twitter these days, RIP your mentions, as the kids say. (laughs) 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 Sounding like such an old wanker who'd clearly been using the Ram Album Club Twitter account to post right-wing things. (laughs) Because you get to the politics of Ram Album Club, like, they always give, in Martin's appraisals, he always gives a fairly leftish take on, like, the socio-economic context behind the album. Not that you need to be a socialist to talk about how inner-city poverty and police violence helped contribute to the founding of the NWA, but you know what I mean. He always has a take on the music and its context that would pass for progressivism in the music press. But then the guests it's kind of made by people who've got no compunction about sitting down with danny finkelstein a literal tory lord and member of a gatestone institute but they're not too on board with finkelstein that they wouldn't sit down i don't think they actually met the people you know but like they wouldn't solicit a contribution from juliet jakes or dawn foster so it's interesting for not yeah, just yeah. The, that's the that's not, interesting in retrospect that's the anomaly the uneasy truce that those kind of people got Juliet on there i guess because it's not just a truce between left and center left there's people finkelstein or alex massey on there well the center extends not left very, at all the center extends very far rightwards i think if you would ask them that's who true. are the who are the right-wing guests on your show they would say well we only really had peter hitchens and he's one of the good ones mm. well i mean i remember danny finkelstein when i first like started posting a lot on like political twitter around like 2015 
he was you'd see a lot of like center-left people following Finkelstein like I remember Mark Steele has obviously become a complete melt tweeting about how oh I had a great time on such and such panel show including with at Danny the Fink who's surprisingly Ugh. nice despite being a Tory and it's just like this when you get accepted into that chummy club you know someone who literally is a legislator for the Conservative Party can become part of your little like liberal milieu his book was so important to me in like 2002 the one that he did which was his kind of autobiography of his own political history juxtaposed against the political history of the country from like 1975 Five to New Labour. It was called Reasons to Be Cheerful, and then no, it's Mark Steele. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's called like Reasons to Be Cheerful. Yeah. The subtitle was like Punk to New Labour, and there's like about two or three different incidents in that that I always want to refer to, kind of as examples of things. I can never find the fucking book though. I, I don't know. Man. <laughs> Mark Steele wrote a good book about the French Revolution, which I found funny. But you know what? Like revisiting it, it might have a lot of this. Oh, you know, but that's a bit boring isn't it i'm just a bloke you know that kind of annoying stuff i mean at least i never got my... that in his defense i never got that in the one that i read because i have a very low tolerance for that kind of bullshit as you'll have heard in more... this episode <laughs> he's got a more like genuinely he was properly like, at the... and jocular kind of a way of doing it than chris addison or whatever just come across as fucking nerds trying to like be self-deprecating and you just see their hideous insecurity in every self-deprecating quip they make but you know mark Steele kind comes across a bit more natural but you know right i haven't I, checked I, in he, with him for a, has, a number of years and he has certain uh, joke formats Twitter, to be fair. yeah yeah continually right revisit that's true uh, yeah yeah it's like such and such well that's like saying that such and such absurd scenario you know is. yeah he has his fucking formulas no doubt formula yeah anyway yeah thanks for listening to real politic on roof and martin's album club folks it's been very fun it's been emotionally draining for me I hope mm. you enjoyed that. <laughs> all you listeners. <laughs> no, Having to uh, so, read all these terrible opinions. My God. We've suffered oh, untold psychic damage tonight. And <laughs> in a few days when this is released, so will you. Actually, yeah. do you know what I was going to say? I was talking about Chumbawamba the other day. And they have some real bangers. You may not know that because a generation of the same music press that we were just talking about kind of conspired in the same way that they did with Rage Against the Machine when they first mm-hmm. came out. They conspired to make them into a joke in order to yeah. blunt the actual political edge of the message and just make them with that kind of, oh, fuck you, I won't tidy my bedroom style kind of quip. They used to, the music press had a very kind of rounded edged liberalism where they would kind of blunt everything off that was a bit too revolutionary mm-hmm. or anarchic by pointing that disapproving prefect gaze on it. Oh, that's not very cool. Yeah. That doesn't offer very yeah. Yeah. Many solutions. If, if you were subtly radical, they'd allow it. But if you were an inherently you radical actually, band, if you that said was quite the upfront were good about or, what you wanted, yeah. what your positions were, they, they were would make like, you into a joke. And like for that yeah. reason, people don't realize that time bomb, yeah. time bomb yeah. by Chumbawamba is a fucking banger. Yeah. And the one they did with Credit to the Nation is a fucking banger, including the line "Give the fascist man a gunshot." And you listen back to that, and you're like, "Oh, of course they were gonna censor that kind of radical shit from me." It's very funny in retrospect. And the same guys are now just writing the same kind of liberal anti-carbonite trash who were making those guys mm. into a joke all those years ago so it's, it's fun what i was saying was that it's nice that you now have this generation of kids that absolutely don't give a fuck what mark beaumont or steve sutherland have to say about the acceptable <laughs> limits God, yeah. of revolutionary activity anymore so yeah, yeah. a positive ending 
With a positive re- ending indeed. We've removed Steve Lamarck's access to the nation's children. <laughs> that sounds like I'm accusing him of various stuff. There's no suggestion he's into, but Not in just an in terms anyway. of like, no, it's just a, a bit crap that we had this right. sort of. This is where we came in. We just had this sort of meat and potatoes indie rock guy as the alternative guy for like everyone. <laughs> well, see. Anyway, thanks everyone. Let's let's move let's uh, move on. We're in bonus time now. We're, we're, we're pushing three time. hours, so probably yeah, yeah, that's two soonish yeah. on to the end. <laughs> yeah, this is now extra time. Just shooting a shit to get some shit together for Patreon while I roll myself a spliff. Don't, I take ages to roll spliffs, so it's cool. We can <laughs> we, we can do, uh, we, we could do a bonus. You and Macomb libel episode for Patreon if you want. For his terrible that review guy. of Joni Mitchell's Blue, where he's like, actually, putting up a parking lot is good. Where else would we park our cars? In a field? Yeah, fine, yeah. Let, or, we could, or we could do Alex Massey completely failing to understand rock music, like the alien let, that he let's is. Let's do McColm, I, I need think, a piss. I'm going to go I'm, for that. I'm a big Joni Mitchell fan. All right, so all right. See, one. hold on then. Right, while Disso's away, unless you need a piss as well. Um, no, no. I have an iron bladder, it's cool. <laughs> have you seen the Charlotte Nichols thing? Yeah, it's the long, slow Jimmy sacrification of people <laughs> entering the PLP. Except not long or slow. Well, <laughs> well there's, there's still a way to go quick. to be that bad, but that's more, more an <laughs> of the worst human alive. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jimmy Sec is a terrible cunt. Speaking of Jimmy Sack, Scott Pohl, Ewan, what's his name? Ewan McComb, yeah. Oh, um, Ewan McComb. Ian Miles McChannon. Wait, um, <laughs> wait, Ewan, oh yeah, no, that's Ewan McComb, sorry, I was thinking of the guy who wrote <laughs> Dirty Old Town. <laughs> Kirsty McComb's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great songwriter, no, but not that guy. Different no. guy. <laughs> Certainly not. This one's just a clown, man. He, he, he's just like a sort of boil on Scottish politics for the last 20 years or something. The thing with Scottish politics comment journalists compared with higher profile British ones is they're basically the same in terms of political views but much more boring about it. (laughs) 
you wouldn't actually bother to go and read Ewan McComb's columns to laugh at him or Alex Massey's to laugh at him. No, um, no. Whereas you, you probably would for David Aronovich or even some freak like Oliver Cam or someone like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they are basically the same. They are liberal <laughs> Tories who are sometimes in some level of denial about it. No <laughs> level of denial, really, in Ewan McComb's case. They're all in the band Fat Cops. The entire, every every opinion writer in Scotland is in Fat Cops, apart from the ones who... They're like, Godspeed, you yeah. black emperor. They just have a revolving line. Apart... Terrible supergroup. Apart from the ones in the National who pretend to be dogs and are banned from their local pub and stuff like that. But that's oh, well, to be fair, the National are quite a big band, so it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all in... I know they're, you're they're talking about the National, yeah. <laughs> Ewan McColl's on that big Grateful Dead tribute album that the National put together. (laughs) No, no, he would definitely... All these people, all the fucking melts of this generation will absolutely hate the dead and think they're really uncool. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) That's like Gen X, Ten Commandments shit. Yeah, thou shalt not wear (laughs) tie-dye. The thing when you're reading these people, because they're all on the Ram album club as well, you're reading these people talking about canon albums they've not listened to before and giving their opinion on what they like and what they don't like and so on. You've got to bear in mind the actual music they put out. <laughs> I'm trying to find the Fat Cops video on YouTube because they made a video for a song called Hands Up, Get Down! with exclamation mark. <laughs> and it's just so bad. I can see they've put out at least one since then. They put one out in June, in fact. Oh, wow. And I sort of want to watch it, but I also really, really don't. It's their Pandemic album featuring their equivalent yeah. of Murder Most Foul, it's which not... is a 20 minute track about how Corbyn did the Warrington it, bombing. It's not on their official YouTube. I think they've probably lost the login and it's gone on another one. <laughs> they've put it on just one called Last Night from Glasgow. So again, they've lost the ability to do that themselves, but <sighs> it's just it's hilarious because what's the name of their front man again they've got the guy out of the bluebells who this is, is the... chris deering is the front man oh, oh that yeah. guy and he's just that guy who matt yeah. called uh, yeah. who matt said you were seen as a complete melt yeah. and you also happen to be one put yourself out to pasture pal he is the lead singer and he's just got such a divorced dad energy to him about it it's, it's... man he's clearly getting slightly overpaid for what he does for a living and I presume him and Ewan and maybe some of the others are just funneling all their spare money into this shit dead-end band. Oh, yeah, Cowley brought on Chris Deeran at the New Statesman to be, like, their lead Scotland writer. Uh, yes, it, just, it was when he was worried that Red George was turning it into the Morning Star, so and what, he hired a bunch of cunts. What, what tiny <laughs> clue he had about Scottish politics has completely evaporated since he switched to writing about it wholly for an English audience. <laughs> Generally, you can just ignore everything he says which basically <laughs> always boils down to isn't Ruth Davidson great why aren't there more people like Ruth Davidson about <laughs> that's also well, everything again, Ewan he... McComb says as well and uh, such coalition mind you know everything else stuck, in, stuck back in the day Alec Massey have... isn't in the band Fat Cops but he's like their number oh. one fan and he goes to all the gigs <laughs> and stuff like that which is he's actually like more Eddie, tragic they're... than being the lead singer of Fat Cops and He's like the, the Iron Maiden mascot style. And, and, and <laughs> Al Murray being the drummer, it's just sad because he presumably, he's still got a fairly successful comedy career. He, he presents documentaries on Sky and all, he doesn't need, it's pure midlife crisis, like there's no other explanation. <laughs> he just really wants to hang around with his Tory journalist mates and make terrible music. <laughs> <laughs> like, the others Gotta probably haven't got it, much man. going on. 
but this guy's... They're all about... Haven't they got Mr. Rowling in the band as well? Yes. Neil Murray is is a keyboard player. So is this a firmly gender-critical band? Yes. Can we establish? Yes. I mean, everyone in Scottish politics and some outside of it will have encountered an absolute danger account called Brian Spanner. Or sometimes he renames to some variation of Brian Spanner. He has like a Peter K avatar. Some hilarious fucking version. He's basically spent a decade going, all nationalists are cunts. Ha ha ha, that's his joke. But like, it goes around to saying women should have their face slashed and they're they're really ugly and stuff like that. He's like a huge misogynist (laughs) as well. Brian Spanner at the Fat Cops band rehearsal. Like, you know, I I thought uh, being gender critical was just saying my wife's a fucking bitch. (laughs) 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 They keep that for the B-sides and the Patreon exclusives. But people have been speculating for ages on who Brian Spanner is. And the three names, the only ones that have come up with any regularity, are all in the band Fat Cops, which formed like much, yes. much later. They only formed in yep. like, 2018 or something. Yeah. So the, the number th- was the one I always heard. Yeah. The number three suspect, I, I don't think it is him. I think he's too sort of boring, polite, steering. Yeah. I, I can't really see it being mm. him, but some people have alleged yeah. it. Neil Murray has also been theorised, and that makes a bit more sense, J.K. Rowling's husband, and she really likes the account and has refused to criticise it, even when it's been doing all the sorts of stuff that she kicks off at people for doing at her and her friends, genuinely intimidating politicians and stuff like that. Yeah, Uh, he's like a pet mm. attack bigot. Yeah, but Ewan McComb has been probably the most suggested one and gets really touchy about it as well, so it makes him be more likely to think it's him. But he just has like really sad bastard energy. <laughs> um, he only he, he's a columnist. He basically writes a thousand words a week, and that's all he does for a living, really. And yet he doesn't seem to do anything else, or certainly didn't before Fat Cops. He doesn't really seem to have a life or interests or anything other than just oh the nationalists are at it again and he does have just a real sad bastard energy he's clashed yeah. constantly with Stuart Campbell Reverend Stu the Wings Over Scotland guy the yeah. disgraced former video games journalist <laughs> but they basically have the same energy just with some big clashes in their actual opinions they're both <laughs> like the inverse Sad, man. obsessive bastards who are never wrong and really angry about it and hateful with it. And he's not a normal guy. Like, he's got a, a very sinister energy about him, Ewan McCoy. <laughs> very sinister. There's about three photos of him and they all look completely different. And then when he's in Fat Cops, all right, that is what he looks like. And he's basically what you thought he looked like, but about five foot tall. And that's a very strange man. (laughs) No doubt. So should we get on to his music criticism then? Which actually quite well reflects everything that was just said. (laughs) Yeah. So this is... uh, We'll start with his opening salvo of why he hasn't listened to Joni Mitchell's Blue. And he says, I just wanted to read a little bit of Martin's intro. Oh, yeah, he yeah, says, by all means. He sets the scene, The Last Waltz, the I, band's farewell I have to confess, I, I got bored halfway through this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to read the whole... I'm just going to read the first Sure, yeah, yeah, sure, like, yeah. They've invited everyone to take part and send them on their way, and all the boys say yes. Neil Young, Eric Clapton, and Van Morrison. All the boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got them all. Dr. John, Muddy Waters, and even Bob himself. So it's like my, my last FM chart. Even he comes <laughs> even he comes along to close the show and send them on their way. And one woman too. 
Joni Mitchell. Again, like my last FM charts. <laughs> That's see, look, I'm being self-deprecating. I listen to a lot of female artists, but people who just think, "Oh, Jack likes music from the seventies." That's all blokes singing about Lord of the Rings and fucking teenage girls. Yes, okay, I can see how you might think that. Anyway, that's enough of the Chris Addison style self-deprecation. I rock, and my music taste is great. Let's move on to uh, you and you and not. Uh, Dirty Old Town guys appraisal of Joni Mitchell's Blue well I will say actually Blue is not one of my favourite Joni Mitchell albums like I said I'm a really big Joni Mitchell fan but her more jazz influenced stuff is the shit that's really resonated with me actually I was going to say I have not listened to her very much but I ran through the first 10 albums recently the ones that got reissued and that starts obviously where it starts with her first record and it ends with I think the one I think it either ends with Mingus or the one after Mingus and yeah I'm kind of the same as you I like it when she cuts loose and does all that weird shit like one of yeah, the, kind exactly. of the first early instances of sampling on that one record where she got the Burundi drummer loop and played over yeah, it yeah yeah that's, a, that's on, cool uh, that's cool I, shit that might be on Don Juan's Reckless Daughter I think it is the one where she, the one where she's like inadvisedly in blackface on the cover yeah she's wearing blackface because she was like look I have lots of different because I have a black man's soul and one of them is black <laughs> calm down yeah. man <laughs> fuck it up. it's Real, like I contain multitudes hours. Yeah, it's like on the sixties. But I love that album. You know, that's yeah. Really musically, it's fucking great. I love that. It's maybe her most out there record, and it includes this track called Paprika Plains, which is like sixteen minutes long, and she yes. improvised it on piano, then wrote an orchestral score to her improvisation, and had an orchestra do it, and then wrote lyrics and melody to go on the top of all that. So it's an amazingly constructed track and that's also the record where Jaco Pistorius the great jazz bassist emulates the sound of a chicken with that's his bass. That's right and there's which is is it the record beforehand or is it that very record where she wrote it about a series of journeys that she made across America. That is Hegira. Right that was yes. the record before. That's, that's, best that's album, maybe my favourite one actually yeah. and that's the one that's with like album. loads of Jaco all over it with his weird fretless bass. Yeah she wrote all those tracks on journeys and that's why there was yeah. no piano on it. She said she wrote them Proper all on guitar and then just had Jacko overdub the bass. I only learned all this recently, sorry, I'm not delivering it with any authority. <laughs> but I, I just checked no, out no, those that's... first ten records. I'm glad to know you like those records, man. Because If yeah, you want I a really that... good appraisal or overview of those first ten, by the way, I can commend, which is where I got the idea to listen to them, Jessica Hopper's retrospective reviews and Pitchfork. Oh, cool, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's yeah. a really and good long-form piece yeah. on those albums. For but, you I mean, and for I, I the th- listener. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the records that they combine, the more songy kind of... Because Mingus and Dong John's... Re- uh, Dong, Don Juan's re- Reckless... <laughs> Dong <Daughter> John! Really <laughs> out- Do- Dong John! Fucking those records, Dong John those records are really out there, but the records that combine that jazz-informed instrumental approach and musical approach with her kind of classic songwriting are definitely Hegira and The Hissing of the summer lawns right yes like really that's... great albums i like the idea of you and mccalm listening to hegira or don juan's reckless daughter or mingus even because he would be apoplectic with fury judging by his tin-eared fucking philistine response to even a record as simple as blue <laughs> yeah that's to say i am a joni fanboy but i'm not necessarily a big blue fanboy so right interesting i'm, I'm not gonna 
you know him not liking the record in itself is not gonna yeah yeah no sure too much it's more his reason it's the reasoning behind it it, i think yeah let me just take you through the opening salvo of this fucking review how about this i've never listened to blue before because i've always assumed i would hate it (laughs) okay I guess that's a critical strategy I'm guilty of in some respects myself. In Alcoholics Anonymous, they call it contempt prior to investigation. Look, you can't listen to everything, It can work out. Sometimes you have to make those Sometimes you have to go on a hunch and go, this probably won't appeal to me. He goes on, though. I only really knew one Joni Mitchell song. The one about paving paradise and putting up a parking lot, which I now know is called Big Yellow Taxi. And I've always loathed that because it's so twee and the sentiment's infuriating. Oh? I like parking. What's wrong with the sentiment? Yeah, I like that. parking. If they don't put up parking lots, we'd all have to abandon our cars in fields. It's a bullshit, yeah. whiny, privileged point of view. People have to park because they don't just get dropped off in a limo, Joni. People who complain about new car parks are on a par with parents who wouldn't let their kids get the MMR jab. What? Oh right, I was going to say that must be what he's thinking, and that's an eerily accurate impression. What in the of his world of workings. fuck? But no, that's actually what that's he wrote. That's the review. <laughs> so the parking lot thing was the first barrier to listening to any of Joni's out al- any of Joni's fucking albums. All right, people so who don't like car parks we are on a park, and I just point out with parents who wouldn't let their kids get the MMR jab. That's how <laughs> bad those people are. Up. People who don't like car parks are as bad as anti-vaxxers. Oh god, the next paragraph is some shite. So, then there's Blue Sleeve, which is just awful. Look at Jodie. Look at how thoughtful she is. How deeply she feels things. See? It's called Blue, and it's blue, and she looks blue. I've seen that sleeve in shops and friends' houses for 30 years, and I've always thought it looks so tasteful and dull. I've never seen a more acute example of old man wannabe iconoclasm, man. Calm the yeah. fuck down. Go buy a leather jacket about it. <laughs> he probably already uh, has, to be fair. Get one of David Aronovich's spare ones, man. He's got loads. <laughs> I'm fairly, get some referrals I'm fairly going. Yeah. Sort. Ooh, la-di-da, I'm a fairly contrary sort. Well, who the fuck isn't, man? Be more interesting about it. <laughs> so there was also the matter of being one of those albums one is supposed to appreciate. It's a top 100 albums list record, which means you're not allowed to not consider it a masterpiece. But the problem with buying into those records is you end up with copies of OK Computer and Trout Mask Replica, and nobody really wants that. Those it's two like, famously established... difficult records. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trout, well, Mask Trout Mask and fucking Radiohead's previous album with a few bleeps and bloops on it. <laughs> well, Same Trout category. Replica has fallen off the top 500 now anyway. Alas. I would normally try and ride for Trout Mask, but I just can't be bothered, man. Fuck. The stuff he did with Zappa was okay, though. He says, plus, I don't really like acoustic guitar music. I actually have two acoustic guitars, but I have the good grace not to play them. Yeah, it's probably for the best we got Disso on rather than Elijah this week. (laughs) There's some sad things known to man, but there ain't too much sadder than a middle-aged man plucking an acoustic guitar. Look, I can't disagree there. Like, one of the reasons I like Hedgera is that Joni plays electric guitar all over it. But no, look, Joni Mitchell's not just acoustic guitar music. She's one of the most unique guitar players in the fucking world because she got polio when she was a kid and it made it really difficult for her to play guitar. Right, so I was reading about developed that. developed these unique chord voicings. So I can't play... She like, fucking loves her, her alternate tunings as well. 
for like every song. If I fucking tune to an alternate tuning, my guitar is in that tuning for like weeks. Yeah. I cannot be bothered to tune back. So it's remarkable. She's one of the most inventive guitar players I can think she of. She even had, for- at one point, she had some incredible synth guitar plug-in which basically enabled the actual notes to be revoiced through a processor. She would play them in whatever tuning and it would change it up. I thought that was so clever. If you listen to her Taming the Tiger album from 1998, it's a really great album and she's playing the MIDI guitars all over that. Nice. And they sound a lot fucking better than the Dead's MIDI guitars, which would just (laughs) be like Jerry turning his guitar into a trumpet. On the earliest editions of Gatecast, I made a theme tune. It was just like a farty trumpet sound on my keyboard, just like and that's literally just what Jerry's guitar as a trumpet sounded like. It can really go either way with MIDI guitar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, no, because Jerry's MIDI flute sounded cool when you play his guitar and make it sound like a flute. I thought that worked. (laughs) But let's get back to Joni and Ewan McCall's opinions. I agree with him that he shouldn't play acoustic guitars. I don't care about anybody. I agree with him that he shouldn't. (laughs) But he shouldn't. Okay, fair enough. Despite my sincere belief that I would hate this record, I hoped I'd actually love it. I was definitely up for being surprised by it and admitting I was wrong. Two friends, Ian and Stacy, whose taste in music I trust, told me that it was a great album and I should give it a chance. Anyway, turns out that I hate it. Well, fuck you, Ian and Stacy. Yeah, 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 those fucking swindlers. <laughs> anyway, what does he say? Someone take the reins here. I really, really hate it, he says. Who wants to get into why he hates it so much? I like to note that he says he used to think he couldn't hate a record more than Grace by Jeff Buckley, but I actually can. I can hate Jesus Blue Christ, more. He's, he's a right he's, tinnied fanny. He fucking says that Joni oversings worse than a fucking X Factor contestant. What a cunt. The fuck's it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll read this in All right, the first and most obvious thing to hate about this album is Joni's voice. I can allow that if you were talking about the octave leap at the end of Big Yellow Taxi, but it's really quite folly to judge her on Big Yellow Taxi because it's a terrible, annoying (laughs) song. It's not because of its anti-parking message. It's just a very annoying 60s artifact for me. But anyhow, it's not representative. She doesn't even like it. Mm. Anyway, it's so grating, her voice, says Ewan McCall. (laughs) She lulls you into a false sense of security and then shows that she can jump an octave. And before you know it, she's all over the place. It's completely unsettling. If an X Factor contestant started whizzing up and down like that, even Simon Cowell would say, give it a fucking rest. You've got four no's. Well, no, he wouldn't. It's exhausting his trying to would follow. Be very upset if he said fuck. Yes, but, but firstly, yeah. there it is a seven-second delay if to prevent Cowell that kind of. Wouldn't enjoy it. It must be crap. So good point, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god, where do you even start with I such? Know. And the fucking thing is, he it's knows so this. Bullshit. He knows this yeah. cynical nonsense is just nonsense. But he gets paid for writing fucking nonsense, so he can just <laughs> why not? He if, knows if full well you... that if an X Factor contestant is clearly attempting to create something quite different to the kind of music that Joni Mitchell creates and a different singing style with different techniques. But he knows that. He knows that he could just write some fucking nonsense because it sounds like a punchline in search of a joke. 
If one of you came to me with these misgivings about Joni Mitchell's voice, I mean, once I'd fucking punched you in the face and then apologised profusely and tried to (laughs) wake you up and so on, at that point I would say, well, look, maybe you should listen to some of Joni's 90s albums. Listen to Taming the Tiger. Listen to her last album, Shine. Her voice gets deeper but she still sounds like herself she fucks it up with fags doesn't she she quite significant she's she's like one of the last great smokers yeah she always smoked a lot and you know that's gonna have a toll but in my view she still sounds beautiful on those records so if you want some people prefer that contralto range totally i mean you know i like the way that dylan's voice has developed but her voice developed in a much more palatable way i'd say to a lot of people <laughs> yeah, yeah but yeah no i think Joni mitchell's one of the best singers of all time like, i think that's way off way off man Ugh, i'm wondering how way many off. times these dudes are fucking listening to these records because i saw in one other review that someone was like even after i've listened to this way more than three times i think yeah. they must be asking them to listen to it three times or something which is not enough no, they do. times yeah. three times or more that's not enough times to make a judgment anyway on any record that's yeah. just i guess it's that's probably my, as many i guess that's my misgiving with this enterprise it's I, probably as many times as most fucking critics listen to records i guess like, you're right there i think that's nowadays a, i think that's a flaw in criticism actually that there's a dynamism and a rush that people aren't allowed to sit with records for long enough I much prefer retrospective reviews these days. All anyway, these this is a this is a this is not says. specific to you and McComb. This is a problem with music journalism. So let's carry on. All those vocal gymnastics make the songs distinctly unhooky and meandering. I don't know how you would begin to sing along. You probably couldn't really sing along because you don't have a young woman's vocal range. And what's the point of a record you can't sing along to? <laughs> Again, just upset that he can't use those n bombs on the NWA albums. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of music that you can't sing along to? What's abs- uh, yeah, fuck instrumental music. I can't begin I right? to engage with something so stupid. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that you could only write if you were from an era when media was broadcast only. When people couldn't answer back in any way except if they got mad enough they could write a letter to the editor about you that they'd have to mail in and then they'd have discretion over whether to print it. This is the <laughs> only remember, that's like... the only way such lazy, fucking cloistered, uncurious bullshit writing and life philosophies could ever persevere. Do you remember the John Harris review of Aphex Twin? Of the Aphex Twin, in his words, where he's like, then I saw Jamiroguay. Fantastic. Real songs, <laughs> real grooves. And then I saw Drench, and it reminded me what rock and roll was. Like, it wasn't literally Drench, but he saw, like, just some shite band. Yeah. Of, like, <laughs> some just, Classic like, Harris. post-Oasis. I'm surprised like, he didn't... seahorses. I'm surprised he didn't refer to the Aphex twins as Brett Easton Ellis did in that one novel <laughs> Glamorama I feel he was like, like he yeah, was probably was, joking I, no no he actually literally I think that he got it wrong quite honestly I think he was just name checking a list of hip celebrities that were at a party and he threw in the Aphex twins <laughs> that it was pretty funny, funny. it was like 98 so anyway yeah so what's the point of a record you can't sing along oh this to? next bit is fucking priceless man the, Some... the absolute nexus of dull, contrarianist philistinism. Go on. <laughs> Some people sneer when I say I love Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louie, but everyone can sing along to the dub-a-dub-dums in that proof that Jonah is superior to Joni. See what he did there. Not even a top ten Christmas record. 
let's put that out there. But also... It's no must-be-sound. But also, Jonah Louie would be embarrassed by you invoking his name to make such a fatuous comparison. <laughs> There's no way that Jonah Louie thinks his Christmas novelty record about is better than fucking Joni Mitchell. So stop. Just, put, just stop Just that. pull Jonah Louie out from a crowd of people to just be like... Yeah, Woody you Allen know nothing style. Of my... <laughs> I'm Jonah Louie and you know nothing of my work. <laughs> Oh, um, that's so someone, embarrassing there's like someone trying so hard to be contrary and just absolutely so, making themselves so, so look Mar- like a fucking doofus Martin Wapplington is like look mate look Ewan honestly she's a great guitarist even and Martin so, was like come on man yeah he's like someone you Martin <laughs> pointed out to me that Joni that Joni an amazing guitar player and I can certainly hear that she has some skill he's right but you know so what it takes skill to ride a unicycle, but that doesn't mean unicyclists aren't all assholes. Yeah, of the many unicyclists I know personally, I have to say there's some very unpleasant people. The columnist scandal. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about columnists, but you don't actually necessarily need skill to be a columnist, so it doesn't work. I was going to say, like, no. you're an asshole and you don't have any skills, so what the fuck? Then there's the lyrics, which are the worst high school poetry. <laughs> Within a few seconds of the first song all i want Joni's told us that she's looking for something and wonders what can it be oh my god it's just like we're back with the what's happening brother what's going on discussion how does she uh, even know if she's she... looking for something if she doesn't know what it is how can she sense a general <laughs> unspecified need for something without knowing precisely exactly. the terms of that well fairly fucking you, easily you, man you too famously have the song i still haven't found what i'm looking for which by the way is the following <laughs> If I'm if, fucking if hungry, I don't need to visualize a specific burrito. <laughs> if you're looking for something, the very least you should do is know what it is. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not really looking for. This is like the most pedantic. This is like the same again. James, James Ball again. James yeah. Ball James again. Ball, James but also Ball. those people that pretended not to understand Dick Cheney's fairly or was it Cheney? Whoever the set the fairly sensible point about the known unknowns. Was it Rumsfeld? Rumsfeld. Yeah, Rumsfeld. That kind. That's, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Hero. There was some revision of that recently there was some admission that actually that was a fairly sensible point and we all just laughed at yeah. it because he's a cunt that we like to hate again people this was just like, used the sort of bushes it's just because it sounded yeah, vaguely silly and that sort of yeah. vocabulary to assume that everyone working for him is dumb as well yeah you can kind of understand that you can kind of understand it with I mean, like, bush I... coming out with his zingers like fucking it's so hard for you to put food on your family <laughs> <laughs> no i mean like absence of evidence is not evidence of absence right Obviously right sounds yeah. dumb but it's just like a brain teaser with like one level to it. It's like it's really not that complicated. But anyway, what else is he saying? Come on to fuck. She's not even trying here, is she? Because she rhymes like, together dance, chance, and romance, which is fairly um, standard terrible. in the pop idiom. I did quite like I could drink a case of you line, but that was really because I'd recently watched the Duke of Burgundy, so I was thinking about water sports and sniggering to myself. You don't need to... You don't need, need need to be made aware that you and McCollum knows what water sports are. Sniggering is basically the key to it. You, he was you just were, thinking you of were like, sniggering about everything because you're a fundamentally unserious man. He was just like, <laughs> swimming. <laughs> That's what he meant by water <laughs> Surfing. <laughs> I always thought that line actually was going to be, before I ever heard the song, I thought the line was going to be like, I could catch a case of you. I could come down with a case of you. That's yeah. not what it is at all, but someone else could have that if they wanted to do a 
creative spin on it. Free line mm. songwriters. All my favorite records are ones that I can imagine soundtracking things in my life. Sex or being broken hearted or celebrating. Say I'm going to have a knife fight or a railway siding, then obviously I'm going to want to listen to Rumble by Link Ray on the way there. Does that better happen often? It up several Fucking... times, mate. It's yeah. two minutes long. I like the idea of him <laughs> listening to Rumble while he has sex. <laughs> <laughs> but I just can't imagine blue soundtrack. I don't like that anything idea. exciting. Yeah. It's not for exciting times. It's for being heartbroken, like he just said earlier in the paragraph. That's when you're supposed to listen to Blue for fuck's sake. He says, it's music to comfort eat to. Like when you're heartbroken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Oh, West Ed, man. Finally, he's writing about what the things he What does he do he for heartbreak? He fucking parachutes <laughs> when he, like, heartbreaks. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I think this is just too on the nose for this him. This is some bullshit, man. Divorced. What the fuck? His wife left him the year before, and it was just too close to home. Can you just peep the projection in that next paragraph, though? Come on. We've all got one of those friends who's liable to turn up at the door at 3am mm -hmm. with red eyes and all their worldly possessions in two black bin bags. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He is the leader of the Labour Party. <laughs> I bet Blue... It's also all my bandmates. <laughs> there's Kia, there's Neil, there's all of them. There is no sex in this record and no passion. There is no sex. Like Poor Joni. She's gone from Rolling Stone printing this sexist fucking like full page spread in the early 70s of like, here's all the guys who Joni Mitchell's fucks. <laughs> that was essentially what it was. It was like That's um, right. Joni Mitchell relationship spider diagram or something, but it was pretty gross. All those old hippies in but... Laurel Canyon were having sex with each other. Yeah, I know. Exactly. They shouldn't have but, just but, singled her out, but, but they were literally yeah, all poor at it. Joni, she's gone from like, oh, that Joni Mitchell, all she does is have sex. The famously Joni sexless Mi Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell, <laughs> there's no sex on her records at all. <laughs> anyway, he says, if I close my eyes, I can picture a 56-year-old man listening with his eyes closed and his fingertips pressed together. Turn your monitor on! Finishes. <laughs> he, tells a, <laughs> he tells a friend it's sublime. That sounds like a much happier, more well-rounded 56-year-old man than you, you fucking grey-haired You're just jealous of Jackson Brown, man. He's aged He's like, fuck well. you, Jackson Brown. I resent you. I don't want to be you. Yeah. They do, really. That guy listening with oh, the, his eyes closed. The projection is thick with together. that one, man. Holy shit. He sounds relaxed. I don't want to that be like that guy. I don't, I don't want to be like that uncool guy who's at peace with himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will do nobody any good to listen to this record, and I would strongly counsel against trying, he concludes. When asked whether he would listen to it again, he says, I can't imagine why I would do that. I listened to the bloody thing about a dozen times to make sure I wasn't mistaken about it. I've done my time. Obviously, if I meet an amazing woman and she loves blue i will listen to it again confirmation that he is single at least he probably. put in the hours <laughs> probably as of fairly recently prior to this probably he just kept listening to blue all the time and then just bitching relentlessly <laughs> and his wife was like it's over she's like look i've got to leave you before you come for don juan's reckless daughter i can't bear to hear you talk down that excellent cover art <laughs> anyway that Jesus is Christ, that was a, the entirety of you and McCall. That's the paucity of the media class, which this blog, which depressing. this blog, Ram Album Club, basically was an extremely good demonstration of. That's the entirety of his utterly depressing appraisal of the fucking album. They had some good yeah. bits, but not enough to overwhelm the tide of these fucking goons. So that's my assessment. I mean, 
that was our bonus Ruth and Martin's album club. Anyway. So you know, I hope you enjoyed that. Mm. It was fun to do for me. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it, but it was very fun for I'm me. I'm gonna as watch well. some MMA now, probably. Nice, nice. Oh, Grant, did you see that tweet from Dominic Cummings about WWE? I did. He did a couple of them, both specifically dunking on Stephen Bush as well. So he actually managed to hit <laughs> several of my interests in 280 characters. That's right. Always he was said saying Dominic expect, Cummings. Who was he saying guy. expect so and so? He highlighted some wrong takes from Stephen Bush, like Trump won't win and this sort of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and he was like, "Oh, this guy's always been crap." Bad predictions, bad insight, blah, blah, blah. Bad guy. You'd understand more about politics watching the WWE. And then he elaborated saying, watch The Undertaker and his charisma and how he tells a story or something. <laughs> He's probably right, to be fair. Not yeah, necessarily saying there's direct relevance to politics in the WWE, but with it being a sort of broad soap opera compared with most political writers being absolutely clueless dickheads <laughs> with pudding for brains as a fake mm. brains thing it kind of works I do think more of them yeah. should understand kayfabe at least Yeah, people can mock Dominic Cummings all they want but our very own Wario Tifo has drawn his own superior understanding of politics from watching WWE so who's laughing now that's true, <laughs> that's true. also I just think hating Dominic Cummings more than you hate like any Tory is just such a fucking Libramana thing, you know? Even though he's a cunt, he's often right about these things. Well, yeah. exactly. Was it was either he or someone quoting him who was like, expect so-and-so in the wrestling sphere to be a good run for President of the United States. The Rock, yeah, yeah. That was it, that yeah. was it, yeah. He's he been rumoured for a long time. He understands. Jesse Ventura was governor of wherever it was. Minnesota. That's right, yeah. that's right, that's the one. Kane is a mayor now, not on that level, not of a major city or anything. No, small sure, yeah, yeah. But it's all basically performance. Yeah. Double speak. There are a lot of wrestlers that have got into or tried to get into politics. Ric Flair is a huge Republican donor <laughs> in <laughs> the Charlotte <laughs> area. Which oh is, my. even in his late advanced age, he's still putting in great heel work. <laughs> 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 All right. Riley All right, lads. Hard. It's been a real good one. Yeah, but yeah, nice let's one. call yeah. it a day now. Good night, guys. All right. Peace, easy. guys. In a bit. Much love. There was a moon and a street lamp. I didn't know I drank such a lot. Till I pissed a tequila and a corner the full length of the parking lot.
of all these pictures It still gets my feet up to dance Even though it's covered with keloids From the slings and arrows of outrageous romance I stole that from Willie the Shake You know, either a borrower nor a lender be Romeo, Romeo, talk to me Is your silence that golden? Are you comfortable in it? Is it the key to your freedom or is it the bounds on the prison? Are you gagged by your ribbons? Are you really exclusive or just miserly? You spend every sentence as if it was marked currency. Come and spend some on me. Shut me up and talk to me. I'm always talking. <laughs> Chicken squawking. Please talk to me. Sourcing.